This is the Gear Patrol podcast for Friday, September 24th, 2021. I'm Nick Caruso. And today we are going to be talking with a special guest about her work in autonomous vehicle design and her insights on the industry and also the future of mobility. Then uh, we'll move on to the question, are e-readers still relevant? Uh, Amazon just this week introduced the next generation of its Kindle e-readers, which we're all very familiar with, of course. And we're going to talk about those features and what's new there, uh, but also sort of more generally, what place e-readers like the Kindle uh, have in today's product world, product culture, if you will. And then we'll end our discussion on post-lockdown back-to-work style. Uh, This is inspired by a survey that Lululemon conducted uh, that found that people who have worked from home for the past many months are sort of shifting to their back or or hoping rather to shift their back to office attire to this more comfortable style rather than the sort of more proper stuff we were uh, used to coming out of the (laughs) pre-pandemic era. So we'll discuss what office attire actually is these days. So all of that in a second, but first let me welcome today's podcast people, starting with that special guest I mentioned. Joining us today is a a new friend of mine uh, named Dalal Al-Sheikh, who works for Ford as an advanced autonomous vehicle designer, and she specifically works in user experience. So Talal, a very warm welcome to the Gear Patrol podcast and thanks for joining from the West Coast. Thank you so much for having me, Nick. It's an honor to be here. Yeah, we're gonna have a good conversation. Uh, And the third wing of our three, I don't even know it's a wing, I don't know, the third person of three is uh, a friend of mine uh, much longer, Tyler Duffy, our staff writer covering all things automotive. He's on the line from Detroit, Rock City. So hello, Tyler. Hi, Nick. Great to be here. Thank you for having me as a third wheel. <laughs> of course. Uh, so like I said, uh, uh, Dalal, you and I met earlier this summer. So I know some sort of like light details about your life. And you mentioned uh, just before we started recording here, what I was about to say, which is that you are facing an impending move to Hi. Tyler's, yeah, Tyler's hometown, Detroit. You're this this position with Ford is relatively new, so you're moving to Detroit to take up the mantle. I'm proud to introduce future neighbors to each other here. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, I'm super excited. I, I move out the next Friday. Yeah. It, just in time for fall, so that's fun. Yeah, yeah okay. it'll last about two weeks. It'll be, uh, it'll be an experience. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I miss a... it. I'm, I'm originally from <laughs> New Jersey, so I kind of miss that. I miss seasons, honestly. Yeah, the time I've I've spent time. I'm from Michigan. Our listeners will know that. Uh, you both know that. Uh, but uh, I've spent a lot of time on the West Coast, and that's something I've always like. That's like crushed me with anxiety when I think about it. It's like the leaves never change. There aren't leaves. I'm like what the, what the hell is going to happen out here? We get flowers though. That's nice. That's true. You do have trees with flowers. Everyone loves a flower. Actually, I. Let me pull this up. Tyler alluded to this just before we uh, started, but my mother just a few minutes ago texted me, quote, the weatherman just said that West Michigan has the coldest temperatures in the continental U.S. So that's a few hours away from where you're going to be moving, but that's what you're in for. So oh, best God. of luck. All I, all I can think <laughs> of is my pending electricity bill. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, if you get electric heat, good luck. Yeah. Um, well, let's uh, let's get started with our first segment. You know, we're talking about you moving uh, to really begin this work in earnest, like sort of more, you know, uh, closer proximity. So um, we've got some questions for you about your career, your thoughts in the industry, um, and just sort of autonomous technology in general. But I wonder if you could start with filling us in about your background and and what you do currently and sort of how you came to pursue this specific line of work. Yeah, of course. So uh, we'll have to start with my undergraduate degree, which was actually in industrial design. So I started off doing physical products. 
always knew that cars were my favorite of those physical products. I've always been obsessed with anything that alluded to speed, uh, cars and sneakers being two of those things. Um, I took what we're calling a gap year between undergrad and grad school, but it was really just a year of struggling to find work in New York. Um, and then went to Art Center College of Design out here in Pasadena, got my master's degree in transportation systems and design. And uh, if anyone's familiar with that school, what they're really known for is their undergraduate program. They pump out a lot of really talented automotive designers, really traditional automotive designers. Um, so we kind of have a pretty established pipeline from Art Center to the automotive world. Uh, so that's how I got into Ford or D Ford specifically, which is our autonomy wing. So now I work on the user experience of a few of the vehicles that we're working on currently. Great. What is what is the D? Is that stand for something? Um, design Ford. <laughs> Very <Okay>. cleverly. <laughs> yeah. Well, it could have gone Detroit. Could have gone. Uh... Well, it's actually their their headquarters is not even in Detroit. They're actually mainly based out of Palo Alto. Oh well, that makes sense. Yeah. I I didn't know that. Yeah. So you're gonna, are you going to be in Dearborn or with like Ford or the cool people who get to go to like the downtown Detroit? Uh... Oh no, we're we're for sure the cool people of downtown Detroit. We're actually <laughs> going to be in Corktown, pretty small space. Yeah. They call it the factory. <laughs> is that? I don't actually remember. I know we talked about this when we met, but is that's not you're not going to be in the the old uh, train station, right? Or no, are you? There, I believe they're still working on that, but no. I we are in a three floor building. It's actually pretty small, um, but it's not too far away from that Michigan train station. Yeah, Corktown's right there. Yeah. Yeah. What I know about Corktown is Tyler. Do you know? Is it Mudgies? Uh, yeah, What's that's that? I believe that's there. Yeah. Oh my God. It's a okay. sandwich place. If you like sandwiches, I mean, like big, delicious, beautiful oh sandwiches, mudgies. Yeah. <laughs> I think there's yeah, a, I think they have a sandwich called a pudgy mudgy or something like that. That's just great. Oh, love it. When we get back to the office, that'll be my lunch. My first lunch. There you go. Um, so that's really cool. Yeah. You, so you mentioned the Art Center uh, College of Design up there in Pasadena. Uh, so you and I met uh, during Monterey, Monterey Car Week, at, right. uh, and we were sort of um, at a lot of the same events together. And at one of them, the Quail, which is this big, cool, enthusiast-driven car show, basically at the Quail Lodge, um, the Art Center had a had a booth there, and they had a one of their yeah. concepts out front, uh, a Lincoln concept. It was really spectacular. Right. Right. What a special year to have gone. I think that is that's the first time they've done that. It uh, don't quote me on this, but it might be the first time any school has really built a one to one scale of a student project. So that was pretty incredible. And for it to also be like a Ford, I thought that was pretty <laughs> funny. Yeah, definitely. No, it's a striking thing. I don't know, Tyler, if you saw photos of that, um, it's kind of like continental-esque i don't remember what it was called i should have should have brought oh, that up that's a good question i also forgot Shame we'll, have to, me. <laughs> we'll have to figure it out but yeah the story yeah. about that was really great so your yeah. education must have been fascinating um what uh, why did why did you like so you said speed but like why cars specifically well okay everyone asks me this question i feel like I've, i haven't nailed down a beautiful succinct answer yet but okay, I think it's fine. twofold so uh one is i I always loved the idea of driving for some reason, even when I was a kid and playing video games, like super young, that, those were the only video games I ever wanted to play. Um, and the second part of that, I think is because, and I didn't realize this until I was older, my dad um, has always worked in the automotive space, kind of from a different angle. He owns a transportation, a medical transportation logistics company. So okay. he was always buying cars, working on cars. We always had you know, extra cars parked in our driveway, um, so I think that also had something to do with it. Well, you can't, I, you can't leave us hanging. If I were to guess. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> it seems relevant. <laughs> uh, can you, t what kind of cars do you? Oh, nothing exciting. Medical transportation is generally a bunch of minivans. <laughs> okay, minivans. That's yeah, fine. so nothing too exciting. There are some cool minivans in, in history. There, there, I won't knock minivans. They're awesome. Yeah. Uh, so your concentration and in your work is is in user experience. So yes. can you kind of zero us in on what that means? So you work on in 
you know, future mobility, autonomous vehicles are sort of that um, path. But like, what is what does UX mean in that um, in that circle? Right. So the user experience, as we think of it, is it starts off from even before you actually see the vehicle, it starts from how you even gain awareness that this vehicle or this service exists all the way up to your first, second, third read, which is as you you know approach the vehicle, what your first thoughts are, what your first experiences are. Um, it even exists on your mobile device. Uh, if it's some kind of ride sharing or ride hailing service, how do you call onto that vehicle all the way to how do you open the door? What does it feel like, look like, smell like when you step into the vehicle? Uh, when you sit down, what kinds of settings are you exploring? What kind of touch points and pain points are you going through when you're driving or in the back seat caring for a child uh, or picking someone up, etc.? That's phenomenal. I mean, you, we think of UX particularly because, you know, we cover tech all the time. We think about right. literally the, the operating system or just like right. a couple buttons on a phone. And um, you're talking about literally the experience of right. these cars. Yeah, and you'll find that there are UX designers who do things that are a lot much more granular, where they are doing something that um, coincides a lot more closely with maybe development. You know, so they're working with the actual pixels and images that are going on a screen or something. Um, so they're working on a much smaller scale, uh, but still yeah. the same amount of issues, you know, the same amount of questions to solve. Right. Yeah, it's an interesting perspective. Um, Tyler, you've uh, you've shared I'm going to I'm not, not sure I'm even going to put you on the spot here but like you've you've shared plenty of critiques of vehicle uh, experience over the years honestly but certainly that your time with with Gear Patrol so maybe you can offer some uh, constructive feedback <laughs> for for <laughs> Ford uh, yeah that Dale can uh, take back to work um well I I, I could talk about my uh, experience with the Volkswagen ID4 and I'm not sure anybody has actually actually used that before uh, it went into production but um, just basically with I guess you know you're, you'll be working with autonomous vehicles and obviously the um, the major difference with those is that the the primary user of that is not going to be driving I guess how do you um, what sort of things are you going to be looking at kind of changing yeah so because we don't have a driver anymore, now the focus is mainly on the passengers, right? Again, it's the experience of how do you even find the vehicle if this vehicle is, you know, driving itself around trying to find you. What does that experience look like? What's the experience of multiple groups of people, different types of groups, those different social relationships, um, and how they employ this new space that's now been opened up because you don't have this driver anymore. Um, and then you're also not just thinking about moving people, you're also thinking about moving cargo. Um, you're thinking about uh, these larger companies that have now really gained a lot of popularity during COVID, which is things like food delivery. How does that work now that we don't need a driver anymore? Things like oh, that. Interesting. Yeah. Kind of like I'm picturing, you know, those old, um, like in the, I guess maybe 40s, but 50s, the automat where you could go and like push a button and there was just like a food food on a shelf. Right. Uh, do it open. It's kind of maybe we can uh, combine the minivan idea with the sliding door. Open it up, and there's the there's the food on in uh, cubicles. Honestly, you're not far off from what a lot of people have been developing. <laughs> yeah, nice. Well, put in a good word for me over there. Maybe uh, maybe you I'll join it. you. We can have lunch at Mudgies, uh, Mudgies Automat. The um, so what what does that mean? So like, let's talk about passenger experience then. You know, there have been theories about what autonomous vehicles will be like inside. We've seen concepts many times. What always comes to mind for me is that this is kind of like a, this is a now instead of a, a, a vehicle with seats facing the same way where we're all strapped in, this is more of like a secure moving room. Um, right. is that accurate? Like, are we going to see card tables pop up in the middle of autonomous cars and, and, and TVs and stuff? Or like, what's, what's the deal? 
I mean, again, you're not far off, but what's funny is a lot of these ideas that people are coming up with, like table in the middle of the car, TV or something, these are things that we've already been doing, right? We've been doing them in minivans. I forget the vehicle that right. has that ca- the table in the back of it and how many cars have screens on the back of the headrest, you know? These things aren't far off. Uh, so yeah, you're not wrong. It's it's a really interesting time because it's almost like sci-fi. You know, we get to yeah. imagine all these things, and then of course the government gets to shut us down and tell us that that's not legal. Um, but yeah, what uh, what's your dream? I like, guess if you could uh, do if anything, if the government weren't uh, breathing down your back, like what would you want to? What kind of experience, like maybe a physical experience, would you want inside a, a an ideal autonomous car? Or is that not a fair question? Oh, that is not a fair question. <laughs> but I will say, you mentioned uh, it's basically like a moving room. Mm. I, I have heard, and this is even before my time at Ford, that companies have sometimes referred to their autonomous vehicles as essentially like a moving hotel room. That uh, they want to change the way that we do like long road trips rather than having to stop off at a hotel or a motel or something. That vehicle itself becomes your family hotel. Kind of like an RV, just I guess sexier, if you will. Right. Every, we've everybody's wanted a sexier RV, you know. That's, there we go. That's all <laughs> the consumers have been asking for. That you could put that on LinkedIn as sort of like your <laughs> your uh, your descriptions. Like I I help design sexier RVs. Yeah. Um. So I wanted I had shared a link with with you both Tyler. I know you were very familiar with it because you actually wrote the piece. Um, but it's about autonomy and you know when we can expect to sort of see what we're referring to here as as autonomous cars which is um like fully autonomous and um this is what i was alluding to earlier you both know like i know some you both know plenty enough to correct me on this but for listeners who aren't um up to speed um there are there are there are up to five level or there are five levels. I guess it's six levels of autonomy. There's zero to five Um, and zero being no assistance. My Jeep Cherokee is a level zero car. I have to get in steer brake, uh, shift, all that stuff. Um, Cruise control. Oh no, that's, that's a good point. I'm a level one then, right? (laughs) Wow. I just barely made the grade. There you go. Okay, so zero would be literally nothing that assists you, a very manu- uh, uh, um, a manual car. Uh, and then so one is, is where I'm at. But then we're talking about level five, which means it is fully self-driving in every condition. There are no steering wheels. There are no sort of brake pedals and such. Um, is that correct? And, you know, Tyler's point in this piece was that this is very far away. So like what kind of t- time frame are we working with here from your perspective? From my perspective? Yeah. I have no idea. Couldn't tell you. <laughs> no clue. It's, it's really all about um, what legality will allow us to do. The technology's there. I mean, we can make the cars do it. The engineers can make the cars do it. I just, um, it's a matter of whether our society is there yet. Succinctly put, Tyler, what a what is like? You've predicted many times, like in this in this post, you've talked about when you might see cars on the road. Like, what have what have you heard from other industry contacts and and in other posts and stories you've done? I mean, at least from what I've heard, I think um, I think the focus is probably level four, where um, you know it's it's not. It's not complete autonomy, but it, it works within sort of a geofenced area. So there, there's no there's no driver input, but you know it'll be something like the geofenced area is a city, and then you have a ride sharing service within the city, or the the geofenced area is a highway, and you have trucks going along the highway, um, that sort of thing. So I think that, and then it's sort of kind of fleets and things like that is where you're going to see this within the next sort of few years. And you know, at least what, what I've from what I've heard, there's varying estimates of when level five would happen if it happens, and that would be much farther um, away. Yeah, um, but it's, well, it's probably encouraging that Ford is hiring 
some hiring people to work on user experience, which implies that there are going to be users of this technology in the near future, I would assume. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what, so we're talking about users now. Uh, who, who is the user? Who, how do you sort of like conceive of the person? When we talk about editorial stuff, you know, we always picture our reader and we assign demographics to them, all that sort of thing. It's just what every, you know, industry yeah. does. So what, what's your work there like? Um, so that is such a big question that we actually have people dedicated to kind of figuring that out for us. Um, ideally, the user is everyone, you know, ideally, when you develop a vehicle, you want it to be as accessible as possible, especially if it's something that's going to be part of a service. Um, so we do have teams over at Ford, especially at D Ford, who are really looking at uh, accessibility and equity in these communities. Mm -hmm. So the short answer is everybody. Yeah, I mean, it's the goal, right? Eventually, everybody works sort of careening toward a, a, a major automotive revolution again, um, which um, must be, I mean, you're right on the forefront. What does that feel like to be at, like literally on the bleeding edge of uh, a massive paradigm shift in human culture? I um, I cannot think about it like that because I will literally <laughs> not get anything done. <laughs> um, I am just so thankful that I, I sit on the shoulders of giants and that I have great leadership that can um, help us, you know, break, break down these giant questions um, and just step-by-step step answer them day by day. You know what I mean? So I, I really, I couldn't even answer that if I tried. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. I mean, it is really impressive. Um... Uh, I could I could keep going. I have I have many more questions on my list, Tyler. I don't want to step on your toes. I'm sure you're curious about one thing or another. Uh, so I'm going to give you the opportunity to ask a question now. Sure. I guess um, but we've sort of been talking about um, ride sharing as the you know sort of the user experience here. I mean, but it, it, do you think this is something I'm ever like? Is it ever going to end up in a private private vehicle, not just sort of like somebody's like, you know, $200,000 super Mercedes that can do everything, but like, you know, is this something that's, act, that's actually going to be relevant to people buying cars or are we going to need cars when, when this technology exists or sort of how do you kind of see this? Right. Uh, going that's good. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, personally, I don't know, but I also wonder if that's even the goal at all to have autonomous vehicles privately owned. Um, because if we have autonomous vehicles and you don't need to drive them, would it, and I'm not posing that this is a, a solution, but just a question, would it be the most equitable, the most ethical to just use them as public transportation where we're all sharing mobility and moving away from private ownership, um, at least in a, in a utility sense, not necessarily in, you know, a recreational sense. Although I don't really know how you would use a autonomous vehicle recreationally, really. Um, I'm sure we could think of some things. But yeah, that's I, I, I assume that there will be a day. I just don't know when. Yeah, I mean, that seems to be what we're, you know, we're thinking about the, the Jetsons isn't all that far off. It's just things are going to be on the on the road instead of in right. the air. Um, you know, I think recreational in the air as well. Yeah, that's true. I don't know. You, I know you're not allowed to tell us everything you're working on at Ford. Maybe there's, I don't know, some other layers to this. Um, well, I will say, I mean, we've seen, uh, what is it, Uber Lyft or, or Uber, yeah. uh, Uber Air, rather. I just combined two companies together, Uber Air, <laughs> uh, where they're doing, we're trying to do those like quadcopters that's as right. transportation. So, I mean, these things are happening. Yeah, for sure. You're talking about uh, recreational use for autonomous cars. I would... I mean, how great would it be to just like be able to hop in a a big li moving living room and cross country road trip to California or something? That'd be great. Right, but then the question becomes: Do you necessarily need to do it by yourself? Couldn't you hop on an autonomous vehicle with a bunch of people who want to road trip across California? Oh, it's going to be a group. I'm going to, I'm going to take my whole group with me. But uh, I would, okay, uh, yeah, I'd, I'd I'd link up with other people when I go for a trip. Be like planes, trains, and automobiles, but just moving living room, moving living room, and moving living room. 
<laughs> there you go. <laughs> Uh, so you, you mentioned equity a couple of times, and you and I spoke about this offline a uh, day or so ago. Um, but one, you know, something that jumps out to me largely as someone who's just sort of like followed the automotive industry for year, decades now um, and um, still does very closely for work is that the industry is kind of like an overrun with this old school kind of boys club uh, mentality I, in a lot of ways. And there are a lot, just a lot of like men in the field. So I wonder yes, what it's, it's for sure a boys club. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, no joke. It's just like, it's just men all the way down, you know? And uh, so I wonder what it's like, you know, you're on the, like I say, the bleeding edge of the technology revolution, but what, what is it like right now? in our day and age, sort of like being in uh, that environment? And is there, um, you know, can you give us good news about equity in the automotive industry and, uh, and your take there? You know, it is a work in progress for sure. Um, I am still one of the very few women that I've seen at D Ford um, and even fewer um, black people that I've seen at D Ford. Um, although there is a lot of work being done around how do we bring equitable transportation to the communities? And I think a lot of companies are, are working on this too. How do we output equitable products? Um, but there's a lot of work also being done internally as to how do we make our workforce better represent the people that we are striving to aid? You know what I mean? Um, and it's not just a Ford problem. Like you mentioned, it's a it's an everywhere problem outside of just transportation, although transportation has been so historically white and male. Um, mm. Yeah, yeah, it's a work in progress for sure. Yeah, you know, you, you were talking about the, the communities and the, the people, you know, the users who will be using these vehicles. Um, public transit sort of like is the utopian sort of ideal of equity. Like that's transportation equity. Um, what, um, like, do you, how much of your experience do you bring to this work? How much do you get to sort of like, uh, you know, understand or like intake data from the communities that inform right. the work, all that? Yeah. What's the, what's your experience there? Right. So, um, unfortunately, there is a lot of information that I get to give them from firsthand experience um, about safety and just being a woman, you know, trying to use the kinds of services that we, we might be designing. And so I've, I've had the experience of being in a group discussion um, where I've had to use a firsthand experience to explain to someone, I'm sorry, I'm being so vague, to explain to okay. someone how maybe the design concept that they're proposing won't work, you know, won't mm. work for someone of my demographic. Mm. Um, so there, there, are, there is sometimes some short sightedness, um, but it's not their fault. You know, you only have the experience that you have. Um, but I guess I'm, I just, I feel lucky. I feel very fortunate to be a, a black woman at the table when these discussions are coming up. Yeah. I mean, the industry is fortunate to have <laughs> new voices as part of it. I mean, we're nothing, nothing changes, nothing moves forward without um, welcoming right. new voices into the conversation. Right. Um, what I'm, so I've, like I said a minute ago, I've sort of taken up a lot of uh, this uh, bandwidth here, but what is um, like, what do, what should we know about the future of mobility? I think it's kind of like a, a lot of people are, are are dubious of of the idea of like getting into a moving living room or like ceding control to the car on a highway, whatever, um, and that and beyond. Like, what should we know? What 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 uh, might people not be thinking about when they think about mo mobility? Well, I would actually flip that and say it's not so much what the people should know, it's actually what these companies need to know. So right now, a lot of the research and development that we're doing actually comes from the people that we're interviewing, the people that we're talking to who have used these mobility systems, whether they're autonomy or public transportation or ride hail and ride share services. I would say 
no pun intended, but don't be a passenger in this experience. Um, <laughs> participate when these mobility companies are putting out work. Um, let your voice be heard. Talk shit if you feel like the product doesn't make any sense or it's not serving the community that they say that they're serving. A lot of times these um, design organizations or these companies will kind of do this design speak this marketing talk and make it sound like they're doing something amazing and incredible, but uh, it can, it can be just a way to mask, you know, a whole lot of nonsense. So, um, yeah, I would say to just participate and participate vigorously. Oh, that's such cool advice. I mean, it's, um, kind of what we were speaking about a minute ago, like we're on the verge of an entirely new frontier right in transportation right. and w there really is an opportunity to to help shape that because right we're the, we're the ones using the stuff <laughs> right exactly and if All right. people don't complain how will the designers know that um they didn't make a, a fantastic product that's right tyler have you sort of uh, kept a list of all your complaints that you can just forward along. Listen, you can just forward them over. I would love to see them. Any top ones we need to air right now, Tyler, that you want to just make sure people <laughs> hear? Um, not exactly. I mean, uh, I'd, I'd, been, I'd like to hear sort of say the safety of this discussed a bit more because, you know, obviously, um, you know, Elon Musk at Tesla sort of, you know, because he's, celebrity billionaire kind of dominates the conversation about um, autonomous driving, even though Tesla does not, your Tesla does not drive itself, even though it has autopilot. Um, but, you know, we sort of hear kind of glib things like, oh, it's going to be like, um, you know, it's 10 times as safe or whatever. But, you know, so if it's, if it's 10 times as safe and it, we're only killing like 4,000 people instead of 40,000 people, yes, that's, that's a, a net benefit. But, it's also like nobody's going to accept autonomous driving if it's killing 4,000 people a year. So I'd like to sort of, I think it, sometimes it's hard for the, the tech world to kind of uh, communicate that in English to actual, communicate what's going on in English to actual people. So I'm hoping yeah. that kind of happens a little bit more in the build up to this. Yeah, that's so true. And I would actually say um, a lot of the danger of that kind of autopilot stuff really does come from the way that we communicate it. I should have mentioned this a little bit earlier, Nick, when you were talking about the five or six levels of autonomy. The problem mm -hmm. is that we're trying to put these names and labels on things where Tesla, we're calling it this whatever level of autonomous driving, but it's not autonomous driving. You know, you still have to be an active participant as a driver and pay attention to the road and, and hold on to the steering wheel. It'll give you an alert and to let you know that you need to actually put pressure on the steering wheel and make sure that you're paying attention. Uh, we'll see some vehicles have these sensors to watch your your irises, your pupils, and make sure your eyes are actually on the road while you're driving because people will just assume that the technology will, you know, keep them safe or do what it needs to do when it's just not there yet, you know. It's legally not allowed to be there yet. Um, so, yeah, a lot, of, a lot of the ways that we communicate things, like you said, in English or in these marketing terms or whatever, um, it's just not accurate. Right. This is largely right now we're experiencing semi-autonomous driving or maybe assisted driving. Um, right. Assisted, not, right. Yeah, not responsibility-free driving. Um, right. Well, that's, uh, that's a good point uh, from Tyler. And um, I know he's going to keep covering that kind of stuff. And no doubt that's a big <laughs> consideration uh, as you uh, yeah. move through your work. Um, any, uh, any closing words? Like you're, you're moving to Detroit in a week. You want, um, you want, uh, we should ask listeners if they have any suggestions for you for restaurants or anything that they should oh, write yes. in and tell us for one. Yes, please. I'll be in downtown. So let me know. <laughs> All right. Perfect. Um, well that's, I mean, that's a very, obviously we, we've spoken for several minutes, but it's still just barely scratches the surface of the topic, but um, even your brief insights have been really great to listen to and good thought starters for future conversations. So thank you for all of uh, the answering all our questions and fielding them. Of course. Thank you so much. Yeah. Uh, but let's, 
you're going to stick around and we're going to talk about a couple other stories that uh, are in the news right now. And your uh, your experience, uh, your career experience and um, perspective are going to uh, play into this very much. So second story we're going to be talking about is that new Amazon Kindles have been revealed. Um, so the Kindle lineup is, as we know, kind of this gold standard of e-ink e-readers. Uh, and Amazon just introduced the first new Kindle Paperwhite, which is a version of their Kindle. First one in three years. It's compared to the previous version, it's better, of course. Uh, it's 139 bucks, but features a bigger display. The display is brighter. You can shift the color temperature of the display. Uh, but really notable is that there's a USB-C charging port um, and a faster processor and vastly superior battery life. They're adding something like weeks to the battery life. Uh, Tyler, I'm going to start with you uh, since we kind of let you off the hook a lot so far. Um, and because I know you're a pretty prolific reader, I think you, you used to at least use a Kindle. I feel like you always had a Kindle with you when we were hanging out in New York. Yeah, I've owned one. Right. Whenever they, whenever, since whenever they debuted, and my entire family independently bought it, bought them for each other for Christmas. So <laughs> I've been using them for a while. That's great. I love that. <laughs> yeah, that's that's good. So it's a Christmas party where everyone opens up a Kindle. I love pretty much, that. Yeah, that's pretty much what happened. <laughs> Both sides of the family. Yeah. Um. So you you still use a Kindle, and uh, what do you think about e-reader relevance today? When we have, especially when we have so many other options. Well, I think, um, I mean, I guess I can talk about how I use it, is that I think it's, it's got, the Kindle in particular, it's got two sort of big strengths. One is it's just portable and, you know, with the paper white, I believe you can fit it in your pocket and, you mm -hmm. know, I, I do a lot of traveling so I can just throw it in my bag and, you know, have a large number library at my disposal. Um, and the other thing is it's not an iPad. Um, so I, it's. Um, you know, it's not as distracting there, are, you know, I can't, I can't get like bogged down Googling, um, things, <laughs> you know, getting distracted, get, you know, the, all the things that would, um, be sort of detrimental to reading. So, but at the same time, I, I find reading on a Kindle, it, it, it's hard to, um, or harder to sort of absorb things. You just, if you're trying to read anything sort of intellectual or anything, it's just hard to get it. Um, have things stick or remember things. And so I, I sort of find myself uh, in, later, in the more recent years gra gravitating to um, sort of physical books. And then it seems like every upgrade, it's, it's, it seems like with the Kindle, we're sort of in the, um, it's kind of like the iPhone with the development where we're, you know, it's, okay, well, the new iPhone's here and it has a better camera and it, a little bit better battery life, but we're not making, it doesn't seem like we're making like groundbreaking shifts in the technology or that Amazon's really motivated to do that. Yeah, we just talked about that last week on the podcast with the new Apple products that were announced. Uh, Henry was joking that uh, it's always basically, this is 20% better than the last one yeah. uh, in every way. Um, Hard to hard to break new ground with technology unless I guess you're designing autonomous vehicles. Uh, Dalal, what's your your take on uh, new new Kindles here and um, e-readers in 2021? I actually have not seen a Kindle in a very long time, but I'm a <laughs> I'm a physical book person. Okay. I like to have a book. I like to feel the paper. I don't know why. I think it's also partially just because I want you to come into my house, see my bookshelf and go, wow, you read all these books. You're so smart. You can't really brag with a Kindle. You know what I mean? You want to check out my library, my digital library. And yeah, look at exactly. It. <laughs> uh, well, it's moving with same. a lot. Yeah. Moving with a lot of books is going to be fun. Right. You're, yeah, uh, I got yeah, um, you're, you're... this very, very heavy box. I feel bad for my movers. Yeah, it's always the worst part. Um, so you don't use, have you ever used a Kindle or any sort of e-reader? 
Um, I think my little sister had a Kindle at, at some point when we were younger, but I do remember it having like apps and everything. It had all the bells and whistles of like an older iPad. Played a lot of Fruit Ninja on that thing. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, they had different uh, different types. This is uh, the the Paperwhite. I have an older Paperwhite, and I I kind of like you, Tyler. I still use it uh, for particularly for travel. Um, you know, when I don't want to lug one or two books around with me, it's easier to do. I also have found myself um, leaning toward uh, Kindle when I'm like reading before bed to try to avoid blue light and, and all that because it's just a, mm-hmm. the e-ink display is not going to screw up my circadian rhythm. Um, will you upgrade, Tyler? Is this something you'd, you're you're looking to do? Um, I th- probably not right now, just because I I um I, th- I feel like I've been sucked into buying new products from or new Kindles or new iPads. So I'm trying to every new iPad that comes out that I think it's going to change my world and my relationship to this product, and it's probably not. Um, I'm. I may consider it eventually, but I'm, I'm probably not going to at the moment. Right. Uh, you know, there are, there are also, you know, many others of note. There's this Onyx is another company that makes e-readers. I use this, um, this remarkable, uh, which I've spoken about, I think briefly in here before, which is like an e-writer, but there's a reading function. Um, oh, very cool. Yeah, it's cool. You can, you can download PDFs and mark them up and, um, all that kind of stuff, e- eBooks too, but not the um, not the protected ones. You can get on the Kindle store, so you have to find like public use <laughs> books to read yeah. on it. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean the the consensus I think is sort of up in the air. A lot of people still like Kindles for the reasons we've suggested. Others are saying that you know other technology is catching up so so much and becoming so holistic that maybe. Um, the reader won't stick around forever, but who knows? I, I could see tucking one in my moving living room and going on a road trip in my public <laughs> transportation level five car. You know, who knows? It might already be built in. There you go. Is that something that if one of your projects you can't tell us about? The e-reader user that experience in e-reader, cars? Yeah. Yeah, it's a built-in Kindle. It's a Kindle on wheels. Um, Kindle, Kindle, with, Kindle with wheels. That's the new Amazon vehicle. Uh, all right. Well, fair enough. Uh, I'm intrigued by a new Kindle. I always like it. Love that e-reader, but I love a book too, so I'm torn. Also, Jeff Bezos is an entire other discussion. Um, but speaking of other discussions, let's move on to our final uh, segment here. It is a story... Uh, or not a, really a story. It's a, a discussion, I guess, we're going to have that's inspired by a survey conducted by Lululemon, the, of course, the premier purveyor of sort of active apparel. Um, the survey studied t- over 20,000 people globally, and the results shared by Lululemon indicate that about 80%, just over uh, 80% of those people hope that, um, let me see, quote, Casual clothing becomes more common in the workplace, unquote. And that's, they're referring to just being comfy and having gotten used to being comfy after working from home for so long because of the pandemic. And Lululemon is, of course, using this survey to sort of further justify lots of its clothing offerings, like hybrid performance, uh, dressy shirts and pants and, and stuff like that. Um and so, Dalal, I want to go to you with this one, since I know from personal experience that you have an extraordinary sense of fashion. And also oh because... Oh, my gosh. Well, it's true. Okay. We, well, we did meet... We met during Car Week where everyone's dressed to the night. So, oh, maybe yeah. that's a I was a on bias. best behavior. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I'm not going to Tyler because he works from home. And this, this is what I wear every day, basically, a sweatshirt. So... My questions will start with you are, um, I think you kind of answered this earlier, but when you get to Detroit, are you going into an office? And um, regardless, what's your take on the role of comfort in quote unquote professional attire? 
Yeah, so originally I think October was supposed to be our go back to work month, uh, but they've since pushed it back to January 2022. Mm. And I think they're probably going to push it back again. Um, so I will continue working from home. But Design Studios, uh, they're honestly pretty relaxed. You know, we wear t-shirts and jeans. People yeah. are too interested in like, I don't know, business casual or formal wear. Um, I mean, I'll never show up to work in sweatpants. You know what I mean? But it's like casual smart, I guess. Um, so yeah, I think if you want to spend $90 on a pair of pants, Lululemon is the way to go. I don't know that I am interested. <laughs> That's fair. Um, well, you have until sometime next spring to decide anyway. Um, right. T- Tyler, what about you? I'm more concerned with snow boots. Yeah, yeah, you definitely, we can, we have plenty of recommendations <laughs> if you need some boot recommendations. Um, Tyler, has working from home, I mean, you've basically always worked from home, kind of as long as I've known you. So has has your personal style been affected at all? Um, yeah, so I've, I've never worked from an office in my entire career. So um, I would say no. I mean, I think I've always... Um, you know, one of the things I've done to um, maintain my sanity has been, you know, I always try to wear actual pants with a belt during the, you know. With a belt? Day. What? Are you actually wearing a belt? Yes. Jeez. I'm wearing a pair of jeans <laughs> with a belt. And, wow. uh, well, it, it just makes it, it makes me feel like I've, like, accomplished something and I'm going to go out, even though I'm probably not going to go out and do that unless do something today um unless i had to pick up my daughter up from school um but you know i just uh yeah i mean my my work attire has not really changed much i i try to dress well every day to or dress like an adult every day i can't see myself wearing sweatpants in public <laughs> you know i try so I try, I try to i try to maintain some sort of uh sanity because it's you know the rest of the world has found out you know working from home by yourself can get kind of be kind of a drag after a while so um yeah i mean it i I don't and i don't foresee the future being people wearing sweatpants i think that when people once people get in the office i think the same um sort of competitive pressures are going to apply and you know obviously you want to look whatever the environment is you know you're you're going to try to sort of conform to it and look professional and i'm sure lululemon would like the environment to be everybody wearing very expensive uh active wear but i i, I imagine there's going to be some sort of bounce back when people are actually physically able to go to the office and you know want to not dress like they've been at their house for the last two years <laughs> yeah uh Delala, when you do actually get into the office do you even though it's uh sort of like casual do you anticipate there being some sort of like that com- competition like Tyler was talking about even like in a fun way just kind of like gosh i gotta look good now like it's this is what's happening again oh that's a good question i mean I, i'd say we have some pretty stylish folk in the office i definitely try to you know look good if and when i have to go in for a presentation or something so maybe that'll be kind of fun i definitely have a manager who is um pretty concerned with fashion. He actually used to be, so Anthony Proza, you might know him. He used to be a men's fashion designer for Donna Karen. Oh, wow. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Um, so if anyone, if I want to impress anyone, it's definitely him. <laughs> yeah. There you go. You just set your, set your standard there. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's a high friend, standard. Yeah, exactly. A, a very good friend, actually a friend of ours, uh, Tyler, Monica um, is a, uh, designer, experiential designer and, and creative director. And she was telling me that she was in some meetings the other day and finally just like put on a t-shirt. We have a, our friend group has these t-shirts that we all have the same one of. And she put that on inside out so that she just had like a really crappy, stiff black t-shirt on. She said it was like, she fit in perfectly after wearing all sorts <laughs> of like fancy stuff every day for months. Um, so um, I guess it goes both ways, but I don't know. Yeah, I'm never wearing yeah. sweatpants to the office. Yeah, same. Sweatpants or leggings or anything like that. Oh yeah, even I know like but leggings are a little pretty cool, like slacks. 
Yeah, yeah. I have um I've worn I have some Lulu stuff that's like acceptable in in um more professional settings. I I tend to kind of like enjoy that hybrid sort of workwear sort of stuff where it's sort of like a dress shirt that's a little more has a little more give or a little technical material for comfort. Um a little stretch, whatever. Um, but going full on athleisure to work may may not be in my future. Despite what these twenty thousand people say. <laughs> Where did these twenty thousand people work? I would love to know. Yeah, let's do a deep dive. Get Lulu on the phone here. <laughs> um Tyler, any any closing statements for people? Do you have any advice for people who maybe have always worked from uh, home uh, and uh, maybe forced to go into an office? Can you do that thought experiment and give them some advice? Yeah, I think, uh, as I alluded to with the pants, I think you have to you have to maintain the pretense when you're working from home that you're an adult. And you're somebody who's going to be doing things and you're, you're going to be out in the world and you should sort of act like that. You know, otherwise, you if once you start letting things slide, you get really, uh, you know, things can go downhill pretty quickly, um, which I'm sure a lot of people have experienced. So it, I guess that would be my advice is, you know, pretend like you're going to be meeting somebody or have something to do. Yeah, it's like that that classic children's book. If you give a new hire some joggers, <laughs> is that funny for everyone? Uh, good. Well, let's wrap it up there. Those are some good insights. Um, Kindles, athleisure, and moving living rooms abound, and we're gonna have to leave it there for this episode. So, uh, listeners, thank you for tuning in today. If you want any more information, you're curious uh, about anything we talked about. Uh, today check out the show notes check out the post on the site there's gonna be a bunch of links uh further reading and more references and if you have anything you want to share with us comments questions suggestions jokes um anything hit us up on social media the handle for gear patrol is gear patrol it's one word uh, or you can email uh, me at podcast at gearpatrol.com and i will check every single letter uh, particularly for uh, restaurant suggestions for delal and i will send them along to her um, so make sure you're subscribed to the podcast and send us a five-star review if you've got a few extra minutes keeps our proverbial lights on um, so Tyler, thank you for being here. And a very, very special thanks to you, Dalal. It's been great to pick your brain just a little bit, and hopefully we'll be able to do it more in the future. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. It's been fun. Yeah, and uh, good luck with the move. Thank you. Thank you. Everyone else, thanks again for tuning in. And uh, for Gear Patrol, I'm Nick Caruso. Until next time, take care. <laughs>